you can flip to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, studied all day for uh, chapter 3 and uh, the text we would be doing on the Wednesday night and uh, 5 o'clock rolled around and I just was like, man, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And uh, But we'd only made it um, through uh, verse 9 this last Sunday, kind of of the 8, 9, 10 of Ephesians 2 and I just felt we were missing out without verse 10 and I'd prayed all day, oh Lord, you know. I just do a one verse for Wednesday night or, you know, and, uh, well, I'll go ahead and study for chapter three. We'll see how that goes. And then by five o'clock, Lord's like, see, I wanted you to do verse 10. of chapter. I know that that doesn't make sense to like half you here. So no, no problem. But uh, it, long story short, we're not really progressing much uh, today, but that's okay. Um, short story long is uh, <laughs> we're just doing one verse tonight. Um, and so Ephesians 2.10. Uh, hop back a couple verses, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so uh, to, to kind of hop into verse 10 and even 8, 9, and 10 here um, without uh, the background, uh, would just encourage you guys as always, if you miss a Sunday or a Wednesday night, listen online or subscribe to our podcast. Um, but basically chapter 2 lays out thick in uh, verses 1 through 7 our deep depravity and our need for a Savior, uh, that we are... Uh, trespassers against God that means we've crossed a line there was a line and you crossed it uh, we are sinners which means we've missed his mark for uh, righteous living and uh, and therefore we've also fallen short of his glory uh, we are alienated we are sons of disobedience we walk according to Satan um, you know it's just not a lot of good stuff there we are children of wrath in those verses it's all the bad news. That's all of our fallen condition. And you've got these wonderful words like, but God in verse 4. But God. You know, here's you. You're filthy. You're wrong. You've sinned. You've willingly sinned. You've willingly sinned and you've unwillingly sinned. No matter what, it's sin. And so, you know, you're, you're going to hell, basically. God's wrath is going to be poured out on you. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy. Not only is he rich in mercy, but he's got great love, verse 4. And he loves us. And so we've got this good news from verses 4 through 7. The good news even gets just greater in verse 8 when it's, it's by grace. It's by God's gracious gift. Nothing that we've earned in and of ourselves. Nothing we deserve in and of ourselves. We deserve wrath. We deserve hell. But by grace, the gift, the mercy uh, is um, salvation. Remember verse 8, we looked at Sunday morning. Salvation comes and grace comes through the conduit of faith. Or if we were talking about water, uh, uh, faith would be the garden hose that brings the water to us. And so it's our faith that brings that salvation uh, to us. And so we looked at all that on Sunday. We contrasted how 
faith is not a work. It's not a meritorious action that we do that saves us. That, that you know, we've, you know, God brings grace to the table and we bring an equally good thing of faith to the table. Sorry, we got some popping. We buy these little foam things for this that keeps the, the popping from happening. Um, and, uh, but rather, faith is just the, the, um, the role that we have. Faith is uh, the conduit that we've been given even. It is a gift from God uh, in order to receive this grace. And uh, we see that it's, it's a salvation that verse 9 is not of works. It's not of our labor. It's not of our own righteousness. It's not of just mustering up something good and of ourselves. And, and there's even like a, a reason in this that anyone should boast or lest anyone should boast. Like before God's presence, nobody's going to be bragging. One dude tried to do that once. He was an angel actually and had a lot going for him. His name was Lucifer and he was like the music leader in heaven. He was like the worship leader in heaven. And he was like, how come, how come God's getting all the props? You know, like I'm pretty good. You know, I should have like some roadies and a fan club and, you know, get a little, you know, and, uh, and he exalted himself, which means he lifted himself up in the presence of God and began to boast. And, you know, that's, that's sin. And so he was cast out of the presence of God and he had led, he got his roadies. He got a third of the angels to go with them and they were cast out of heaven like falling stars. And uh, we just know from the scriptures that no one is going to be boasting before God's presence in their own works. Their mouths will be stopped. They'll be found liars. That's all a little bit of review before we get into verse 10 that we are, we are his workmanship. We're not saved by good works. The, the grace and the faith, none of it is of works. But we are his work. We are his work. And we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Spurgeon said that these two phrases from verse 9, not of works, and then of verse 10, created for good works, he called them near neighbors. <laughs> yeah, not of works, but for good works. They're near neighbors you may put it down among what the Puritans called orthodox paradoxes or, you know, kind of like a religious contrast or what seems to be a contrast. Not saved by works, but saved for good works. Again, James really clarified this for us as we studied James and, of course, Romans and, of course, Galatians. We're not saved by our good works, but for our good works. And so let's look at this. Verse 10, we are his workmanship. Workmanship in the Greek is the word poema. Poema. As English-speaking folks, what does that make you think of? Poem, right? Like we are his poem or we are his work. Anybody here a poet? Anybody here? Really? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, you don't really have a lot going for you, buddy. Uh Anybody like poetry is your thing? Jenny loves poetry? Yeah. Oh, that, I can tell by the look on her face. That is not the truth. She's not even humoring you a little bit there in that. Gosh, I've got some friends that are just really good poets. And, um, and I, you know, I never got it. You know, it just never clicked for me. But, <laughs> uh, but you know how I, I just think of them kind of sitting down with their journals and taking time to just write. There was a man at the retreat I spoke at a couple weeks ago, 
uh, who just during each message as he's listening to me, just the Holy Spirit almost like flowed through him as he would write like poems about the sermon that I'm preaching and then he'd share them afterwards. Just really cool. Uh, I think he tagged me in some of them on Facebook if you look on my wall. But, uh, you know, we are the Lord's workmanship. Kind of the Lord, not kind of, he took just wonderful care in the time that he took in working us out and in creating us. You know, chapter one, we went through all the the chosen in him before the foundations of the world. We predestined by him, elected by him. All of these wonderful things that showed great foresight and prognosis, as the Greek is. Prognosis. We are his, he, he took care before he even created us to, to make us into something that is precious. We are his creation. And so this idea from chapter 2 verse 10 is that we are his beautiful poem. I bet you guys can think of some beautiful poems right now that you've read in your life that even if you're not a poet, you know, you've at least got the roses are red, violets are blue, you know, and you can make up your own little last two stanzas of that or whatever. But, you know, to you, you remember that was a beautiful thing at some point, but to us, we are his beautiful poem. Uh, The Jerusalem Bible translates workmanship here as work of art. We are his work of art. We are his workmanship. I, uh, you know, when we taught Psalm 67 a couple weeks ago, I think it was like four times that I had taught it, even this year. Just love Psalm 67. Might be one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And uh, taught it at a marriage, you know, teaching at a marriage conference in, uh, Corvallis and what am I going to teach on Lord what do you have Psalm 67 Roy that's what I have for marriage you know it's like whoa okay teaching at a men's retreat over at Cannon Beach Lord what do you want Psalm 67 Roy I want you to teach something okay teaching at Seaside Calvary Chapel Lord Psalm 67 Roy. it's like I'm not it's like I got there's other things Lord I know he's like this is what I have for you and he said and I want you to write a song um, so that it just sears Psalm 67 in your heart even more and so to take what David wrote and to try to like make it into some rhymes and make it flow and throw some chords to it and all of that, you know, it was just, it took care and I was enjoying it and just, I would sing it out and I'd just start weeping that, that the Lord would, you know, I thought it was pretty, I don't know, you know, but you know, I was, I was like, Lord, that this even came out, like how did this, where'd this come from? Just a wonderful thing, not that I'm wonderful, the Lord was in it and, um, and it, it was his work of art and it was something that was awesome. I know you, you guys all have things like that. The Woodies just finished their house up, and Pam just posted the picture of the uh, the before and afters, you know, and we see the cedar house and the cedar, and Len talked you into the, the staggered shakes I saw. Beautiful, though, right? That's art, man. Sorry, you're an artist. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind. Yeah. In the process, right? Some of you are, uh, you know, you got uh, carpentry skills, and and things like that. And so just think of the care that you put into that. And that's what the Lord has done. You are a work of art to the Lord, created in Christ Jesus for good works. How many times in verse two do we, uh, chapter two, have we seen this phrase, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. So, oh, oh, everybody's his workmanship. Well, it's especially those that are in Christ, created in Christ Jesus for good work. Uh, we are his good work. We are for good works. 
Now listen to what John Stott had to say. He now puts the matter beyond even the slightest shadow of a doubt. Salvation is creation. Recreation. New creation. And creation language is nonsense unless there is a creator. Self-creation is a patent contradiction in terms. You see then, and he quotes Calvin, that this word create is enough to stop the mouths and put away the cackling of such as boast of having any merit. Okay, So when we hear that we are his creation, it humbles us because we realize we didn't do this. This wasn't us. We were not the initiators of this. He in his foresight, he in his great care created us. And we're going to read later in chapter 3. I know because I spent the day in it, that Jesus Christ created all things. So we were created even in Christ Jesus and even by Christ Jesus for these good works. And that ought to humble you guys. That ought to humble me. Take us down. Uh, put away the cackling of a boast as uh, we just quoted. But then he goes on to say, saved by grace, not of works. Not that we remain passive or inert. Some critics have always thought this and suppose that Paul's doctrine of salvation by grace alone actually encourages us to continue in sin. And you know, I, I remember those days. I remember my college days and my buddies and we loved grace. We'd you know, we discovered this gem of grace or had the Lord show us grace and we loved grace. We loved Chuck Smith's book, Why Grace Changes Everything. We had to read it for school of ministry. I mean, grace was like a new word to us that we loved and we loved Romans. We loved Galatians. We loved, you know, just these great chapters and books on grace. And, and yet, as can happen without maybe preaching the book of James with the book of Romans, uh, you know, just grace without also good works as a result of grace uh, can lead to what we used to call the grace card. Like, you know, we carry a license to sin, and Paul would use that same language, a, a license to sin in our pocket that, uh, you know, anytime we just feel like going ahead and living in, in a little bit of transgression, living in a little bit of immorality, just, it's cool, man, it's grace. And I remember when guys would actually throw that back at you, like, grace, man, grace. And uh, remember my pastor, Rob, this just came to my mind, told about a youth camp that he, that he had. He used to be a youth pastor as well. And uh, he went in to talk to the, the preacher at this camp. And uh, the preacher had this thick romance novel sitting on his bed at this camp. And, you know, I don't know what the contents of this was, but it had your classic, you know, you're going through um, Thriftway over here through the romance section, you know, and what's on the cover. And uh, a little Gone with the Wind action. And, uh, and, you know, and the, the guy wasn't in there, but the book was in my pastor, Rob, he, he's like, what is it? And he's like, and the guy walked in, he's like, what is this, man? And he's like, oh, it's just a, you know, a drama or something. He's like, this is like horrible. You know, like, what are you doing? And the retreat had been on grace. And, uh, this pastor just, grace, man, just grace. Yeah. And he said, you got to leave. Kicked him out of this youth camp. And uh, had to continue the rest of the, the retreat without him there, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, grace. It can be a, a license to sin. And it ought not be so. As Paul says, you know, what is this, a license to sin? Certainly not. Absolutely not. God forbid. 
And yet people teach that. So beware of that teaching regarding grace. Uh, uh, Stott went on to say they are entirely mistaken. Um, Good works are indispensable to salvation. Not as a ground for salvation or a means of salvation. However, it is a consequence of salvation. If you're saved, you have to have good works. If you're saved, you will have good works. If you're saved, you will have the evidence of good works. Wood wrote, not Woody, sorry. Never read any of your writings. Works, actually I may have this week on Facebook. I saw a few of them. America, okay. Works play no, see what happens when you come to Wednesday night, Jason? (laughs) Just like, can't stop looking at you. Works play no part at all in securing salvation. Can I get an amen? Okay, make sure you know what you're amening if you say it. But afterwards, (laughs) Christians will prove their faith by their works. Here Paul shows himself at one with James. Okay, so we are his workmanship, which God, and then again, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Maybe just right now, just ask the Lord, Lord, what are some of the good works that you have just dropping off of my life like a healthy fruit tree? Just let him show you right now. There's some things that there are Evidence of my presence in your life. Evidence of salvation. But also allow the Lord to show if perhaps the tree's a bit barren. And maybe there's not the good works, but maybe rather there's the, the opposite of that. Maybe there's works of evil, works of the flesh, works of wickedness. Because as a Christian, verse 10 goes on to say that God had prepared these good works beforehand so that we should walk in them. Not saved by good works, but saved for good works. Sovereignly saved out of sin by the grace of God. Also sovereignly created for good works after we're saved. Isn't that crazy? there's There's that end of it. God is sovereign. He's so sovereign that he created good works beforehand so that we would we would have something to walk in. And that might kind of take a little bit of a burden off of you. Like, God's created this for you. He's like put the puzzle piece together so that you can click right into that. That we should, he, he has made us ready. There's been an advanced thought so that we should live in these good works so that we should behave by these good works. And studying last week for this verse, never got to it on Sunday, came back to it uh, this evening. And I just noticed this word, should, there, should. God prepared these things beforehand that we should walk in them. Have you ever had anyone tell you you should do something? Like, maybe not even just, like, suggesting it. Like, hey, have you ever thought of um, just not being a total jerk? You know, uh, that's how I usually do it. Like, just throwing it out there. 
But what about like a full-blown imperative should? Like, this should be happening. You should not be doing this. You should be doing this. Did you guys catch it in Marcy's prayer tonight? Lord, I'm thinking of Iraq. I'm thinking of just all these times that I should be witnessing. What was the other thing? That I should be administered to me. Praying. You know, I should be. Oh, don't put that on yourself, Marcy. No, we should be doing these things. Read the New Testament, people. We're not saved because of that, but we're saved for that. We should be witnessing. We should be praying. God has made us ready in advance for these good works. He doesn't want us to be afraid to do them. He doesn't want us to be afraid of witnessing and going and sending. He doesn't want us to be afraid of saying no to sin, being persecuted. He has predestined us to walk in good works. And you should be walking in them. Kind of in our, in our ecclesiology, you know, all the different things that we know that the local church is called to be and do, none of those things are divorced from first, God has redeemed us and purchased us and saved us and bought us into these things. So that whenever we talk about, for instance, attending church or the regular gatherings that we are to not forsake, that we ought not forsake. We don't just throw out to people, go to church. What what Paul did was say he bought us and purchased us and gave us access into his throne room. So we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together because it's been bought by blood for us. We should vote. Don't have to vote. We have the freedom not to vote. We should vote because there's DNA down in the sands of Normandy and Bunker Hill of our forefathers that seeped down through the earth that bought that for us. And if you didn't vote, no condemnation. I'm just using this as an example. Like We have these wonderful privileges, as the French say, and I always have Fred correct me, noblique oblige, you know, nobility obligates. Okay, so we have the wonderful riches in Christ, the adoption, the inheritance of the saints. Now we should walk in what has been paid for us. And in all of that, one of the things that we looked at in our church series is that right belief leads to right behavior. Okay, we have a doctrinal statement that we adhere to, that we believe in, that some things we will never budge on. We will be killed before we deny some of these major doctrinal beliefs. But it's not just about the belief. The belief in these essential truths always leads to right behavior. And so, Lord, in us is their right behavior. Okay, so you might remember Sunday when we rapid-fired so many scriptures that are just kind of these proof texts of, of man must believe. There is a role in salvation that is not the meritorious role. It's the receptive role of grace. At the same time, rapid fired, and yet even in all of that, there's a sovereign hand of God. Okay, We're going we're gonna to rapid fire at you guys some New Testament passages undergirding Paul's statement here 
that we should walk in good works. Okay, are you ready for it? I think it's on the screen. So if you want to flip there in your Bible, underline, underline, underline. Uh, you can let it sink into your heart though. Philippians 2.12 through 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, don't stop there. Okay, but I want to notice two things. It says, work out, go back to verse 12 real quick, there we go. Work out your own salvation. It does not say, work for your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, but it does say, there is salvation. Let's work it out. Let's live it out. We should walk in it, right? Now, that does have a man's responsibility side to it. And oftentimes we just quote that. But notice that there's not a period there, there's a semicolon. And it goes into verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Okay, so live it out, man. Live it out. But hey, don't disconnect yourself from the source. Don't disconnect yourself from the abiding, the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the, the one who has foreordained good works for you to walk in them. Work out your salvation. But remember who it's come from. And remember who will enable you and empower you and motivate you the whole way. Hebrews 13, 21. Now may the God of peace make you complete in every good work to do his will. By the way, every good work. We don't get to pick and choose the good, do we? He, there's just like, all the good works, oh Lord, make us complete in them. To do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Christ Jesus. Good works, every good work, working what is pleasing. But it's through Jesus and it's to his glory, Hebrews 13, 21 says. Uh, reading Charles Hodge from the 1800s. Holiness is the end of redemption. For Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from iniquity and purify us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous for good works. Those, therefore, who live in sin are not the subjects of his redemption. Those are sobering words from a preacher man. If you are living in sin, doesn't mean, I'm not talking stumbling. I'm not talking fumbling, okay? I'm talking unrepentant, living in sin, continuing in sin. Biblically, the red light ought to be flashing in your vision, saying, warning, warning, something is wrong. Now, either you are very backslidden, or you've never been saved. So, let there be some fear there, Hebrews would tell us. You're close to the cliff, if not fallen off the cliff. And you're, you've not yet been the subjects of redemption. Why, Rory, why would you say that? Because New Testament consistency, like in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. People ought to be able to see your life and see good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And you know, 
There's a lot of people out there that have no relationship with Jesus, in fact, are walking in cults, and they've got some external sparks made in the image of God of some good works. But there's a difference when people see the Holy Spirit upon us living and bearing out fruits of righteousness. That when people see our good works, they glorify the Father. We were at Dylan's the other night, and um, we are kind of excited to go out to dinner. And, um, <laughs> and uh, this couple came and sat kind of next to us at one of those booth things, and, and uh, we were just having a good time and just excited, you know, just, but having fellowship as a family. And uh, I just felt like this draw over to this family and just had to go introduce myself to them. We kind of like kept looking at each other, you know. And I just went over and, and they were like, I knew you were a Christian. I could just tell, you know. And I was like, yeah, me too. I knew it, you know. And uh, that's, that should be how it is. Like, and you know that. You've had people say it. You've said it to others. And, and that, ought, that should be how it is. Um, Acts 9.36 there was a woman named Tabitha at Joppa. She was actually a certain disciple. Uh, if you want to know the translation of her name, just for your own good information, it's Dorcas. So call her either. Uh, this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. It was just a mark of her as a disciple. Doesn't it go on to say this is Peter's mother-in-law, am I right? Uh, no. Nope, nope. This is just, this is just Dorcas. Um, Am I correct, though, in, in stating... I could just open there, but Bible trivia time. Did she not sell... Uh, or am I thinking of Peter's mother-in-law? Didn't she have all these garments that she'd make and she'd sell them or give them and people cherish them? It's Dorcas, right? Come on, people. Man, read your Bible. Thanks, Paul. Um, but this was notably a disciple and noticeably full of good works and charitable deeds. Is this something that marks your life? Remember, that we would be abounding in every good work. Um, 2 Corinthians, Paul prays that they would always have all sufficiency in all things and may have an abundance for every good work. That's what we pray in our principles of giving here at this church. Lord, give us a ton, an abundance, so that we can also give out an abundance, right? Uh, charitable deeds, have an abundance for every good work. First um, Timothy 6.18, pastoral epistle. Let them do good, that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. So in our good works, rich in them, ready to give, just like, you know, you got a hair trigger, on your wallet, you know, you got a hair trigger on your, your things. So I'm ready to share. Um, 2 Timothy 2.21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, so evil works, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, doesn't that kind of ring true to our text tonight, that there's this prepared beforehand for every good work? A uh, chapter later, 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God, and this speaks of that the Bible is profitable for teaching, correction, reproof, exhortation, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so we teach the word at Calvary Chapel 
so that the men and women uh, would be complete and ready, uh, rather equipped, ready for every good work. Titus, Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. So we have salvation uh, and then a purifying for himself, his own special people, zealous for good works. And zealous speaks of like passionate for good works. This can, you know, I was just praying on the way down here, like, Lord, there's like a kaleidoscope of good works, isn't there? Like as you were to look through and there's just like all these different colors and all these different shapes and it's just like, there's so many, right? Aren't there like a million good works that we could do? Make us ready for them, Lord. Let us be ready for them and doing them. Uh, you know, there's a family in our community, Christian family, that uh, eight kids and a grandbaby living with them. They don't have anywhere to live in a month. And they're, they're asking for, on a GoFundMe page, help us. We don't know what to do. And are we ready? It's a brothers and sisters. If your brother is in need and they ask for something, don't say wait tomorrow. If we got it in our hands, let's give to them. Ready. Hair trigger on the wallet, right? Let's give. Um, you know, uh, so giving, charitable donations. Uh, my sister-in-law spends time every year. She goes when it gets, starts getting cold, and she goes to Walmart, and she just piles stuff in her cart, and she um, makes these Ziploc bags full of all sorts of food and warm socks and all kinds of things. And uh, she lives in Portland, and so she just pulls up, rolls her windows down, and hands out these bags just of, of treats and good things and useful things, just ready, ready to go. Boom, you know, um, gospel tracks, you know, ready to preach, ready to share, ready to go. We're just always ready. Um, you know, we're called to, you know, as I, so I was driving down the street tonight, like, Lord, what in the kaleidoscope for here? You know, God has called us as a local church to good works of assembling regularly. Here we are, praise God. This is, this is a good work, not to save us, but because we're saved. Uh, we're called to do the good work of using our gifts, amen? Like you have a gift or gifts to use to edify the body. Um, are you doing that? Are you ready to do that? Are you, are you even trying? Like, Lord, what are the gifts you've given me? We're ready to serve. Jesus led by example as being a servant and laying his life down. So are you guys laying your life down for each other? Or are you sure, certainly letting others lay their lives down for you without reciprocating that? We're to love one another in our ecclesiology. We're to consider one another. That's a good work, to consider one another. I'm thinking of Connie right now. I was thinking of Marcy today. Oh, I haven't thought of, I haven't, not, not that I haven't thought of you, but where, where's Marcy been? You know, I'm just thinking of you guys as we come here. It's a good work. Uh, you know, generous giving, you know, um, Going and making disciples. Being disciples. Going to core group. Right? Is that a good work? Let's do it. You should, you should go to core group. <laughs> okay? Uh, you should be a disciple. And just the method that God's shown us here is core group. 242 group. You know, these are things, not legalistic trips. These are just things that God's prepared beforehand that we should be discipled. And there's men and women that are trying to disciple you. But then also, you're to make disciples. So who are you discipling? Who are you spending time investing in and teaching all the things Jesus commanded? These are good works, right? Waiting for his glorious appearing. Are you ready for Jesus to come back? 
Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Well, right belief in the rapture of the church happening imminently in 1 John chapter 2 leads us to 1 John chapter 3 that those who have such a hope in themselves purify themselves just as he is pure. So good work of, I'm waiting, Jesus come back, Jesus come back. My eyes are, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. Jesus says 30 times in the uh, Olivet Discourse, watch, watch for me, watch for me, watch for me. The wicked servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming, watch for me. Is that a good work? Like these are good works, but it's not just the right belief, it's the right behavior as well. Um, I don't think I threw it in here, but I think maybe I did, but um, I always consider, you know, Paul says, flee sexual immorality. You know, or flee, you can just, immorality, any kind of immorality that we would think of. So we're not doing that, but that's not it. It then goes on to say, but pursue righteousness. And so as we aren't doing that, which is good, we also are doing that, which is good. Okay? So we are his workmanship. He's been, you know, he's doing the dude with the fro and he's painting the pine trees, you know. What's his name? Bob, what's his name? Ross, you know. Oh, just, oh, you know what would look good here? You know, he's like setting it up for you. Right? Or Ron Halverson, you know, his whole life. Here he is, you know, and he's going to be out in the Ochicos, and this is going to happen, and he's going to worship me here, and, and you know, he's, there's this opportunity here, and, you know, you guys, you know, Dustin and I saw in tile yesterday, working on Seth Crawford drives by. Whew. Seth Crawford walks by. Hey, Rory, hey. And uh, come, comes across the lawn, you know, and uh, it starts, it's election day, you know, and I'm with Seth Crawford, you know. And uh, I'm like, hey, you know, and uh, I'm like, he's going to ask me how I voted, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't know, you know. And I'm just like, hey, you know, um, I love you, Seth, I do. And, uh, you know, we're just talking and, and uh, he's talking and, and talk a little more. And uh, Dustin comes out, we talk. Johnny comes out, we talk. Hey, can I come in and see the house you're working on? Come on in. Just talking to Seth Crawford. Day of election day. Like, never done that before with a candidate on election. Have you? And he's talking about things in his personal life that he's going through, that he's struggling with. Like, I'm with the county commissioner candidate in a house, saw and tile. He's standing on three packages of laminate flooring. And we ask if we can pray for him. And we pray for him on election day. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I'm like, there's got to be something more. Um, Lord, help him win. I don't know. Uh, or, or not, whatever. You know, you, you know, you know. And, and then when he leaves, he invites us to go to his barbecue. We didn't make it. But at four o'clock in the morning, he writes me. And he says that like that time with us, like was so encouraging and just brought a peace in his heart. God sovereignly, you know, the, the birds and the pine trees, and, you know, and here's a tile saw, you know, and here's Seth Crawford. He's going to come, Rory. He's going to come. I preordained from the foundation of the world. Be ready. Are you ready? I'm ready for you. Are you ready for it? Walk in it. And then talking to Dustin today, I wish I would have just preached Jesus to him, you know. You can get saved on election day. Maybe you're already saved. I don't know, you know. But are you saved? Because it's election day, buddy. An election was worked out at the Council of Dort in the 1500s. But anyways, it's a, okay, it's a 
predestination joke. Nobody. Okay. We're not ready for that, are we? Okay. But what is it, for, Paul? I'm sorry, man. I'm just excited tonight. <laughs> so what is it for you guys? What is it for you? Tomorrow, what do you think it's going to be? Like, are you ready for it? Because he has written it for you that you should walk in it. You should do it. You should do it. Stott writes, Formerly we walked in trespasses and sins in which the devil had trapped us. Now we walk in good works which God had eternally planned for us. Catch the difference there? I want to read to you very quickly. That's why John Newton's hymn, Amazing Grace, was put into publication so quickly. Everybody knew John Newton was a vicious slave ship captain, as cruel as there'd ever been. It was said of Newton that we, he went into such rages that when he used up every filthy profanity known to the crew, he would then invent his own. People were so used to Newton and his garbage that when they saw Newton singing hymns all of a sudden, saying prayers all of a sudden, they were forced to think that either Newton had a frontal lobotomy, and then the writer says, Newton had always said, I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. But since that had been ruled out as an option, so when he took on the responsibilities as a clergyman in England, the people who had been at the receiving end of his brutality were forced to conclude something has happened to John. When they asked him, how did you make the change, John? He would say, I didn't. But you are radically different now than you once were. Is it your faith, John? No, it's not my faith, he'd answer. Then what is it? And he's able to say, well, I wrote it down in a hymn. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The writer says, good theology from a cussing slave trader. Where does a man like that come up with that? Grace. Grace. He knew his condition, that he was a wretch. Do you know that you're a wretch? We don't use that language very often, do we? I'm a wretch. That's the single issue that prevents people from faith in Jesus and receiving grace, is that they don't want to admit that they are a wretch. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good guy. Got a good job, got a good car, got a good house, got a good family. I'm not a wretch. But this rich, wealthy, successful slave trader said, I'm a wretch. He wrote, grace taught my heart to fear. He had a fear of God. 
a fear of eternity without him. He had a fear of just judgment for his sin. But then grace relieved his fears. He realized that grace seemed so precious that hour he first believed. That's a great illustration for us tonight, isn't it? And the scripture comes from, for by grace you've been saved. Lenski writes, all the works are ready. They only await the living doers and their doing. All the works are ready. Draw it out, paint it out. You're, you're a poem. They're just waiting for the doers and their doing. As we close, and Kristen, you can grab the guitar, and Eric, you can grab the guitar. We can just ask ourselves tonight, am I amazed by the grace of God? We're in awe of your grace, Lord. We've just in Ephesians begun to plumb the depths of your grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. All of the blessings and riches of inheritance of God given to us freely. Not because of works we've done, not because God's trying to pay a debt. Undeserved, unearned, unmerited, the grace of God given to us at a price, the precious life of our Creator Jesus slaughtered on the cross, brutally sacrificed, oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other power I know Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Here in Ephesians chapter 3, Lord, we're just plumbing the depths of your grace. And in the, these deep, wide truths, we find that in your grace, You've created good works for us. And Lord, there are perhaps staccatos or evidences of the opposite of that in us. Evil works. Wicked works. Carnal works. Fleshly works. Man's wisdom works. Works of fear. Works of selfish ambition. Works of conceit. Works of idolatry. Of drunkenness. Of lust. Of greed and pride. Works of bitterness and jealousy. 
We thank you, Lord, for those of us in Christ Jesus, those who have been blotted out and wiped away. What joy we have knowing we're forgiven. But, Lord, may that lead us to never wanting to practice those things again. But pursue righteousness. Just pour your spirit out on us tonight, Lord. Enable us, empower us, motivate us. We're dependent on your spirit, Lord, for good works. For charitable deeds, for righteous acts. Ready to give, willing to share. patient and loving, evangelizing, things we should do, Lord. We should be in the fellowship with the saints. We should be generous givers. We should be submitting to one another in love, submission to our elders, to our leaders around us. We should be disciples and making disciples. There's things you've created for us. And Lord, in the moment that begins to feel like some sort of a heavy yoke, Lord, we've fallen away from just the gracious provision and power behind it, the motivation behind it, Lord. So we just camp out in grace tonight. Let's stand tonight together and worship the Lord and just meditate on his grace.